Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It is Monday, the 31st of October, also affectionately known as Halloween, traditionally known as All Hallows' Eve. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 26 and 27. But everyone, now that but is important because there's been a conversation about some others before the but, so here you go. But everyone who hears the words, these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. These are the words of Jesus. We are working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthews chapter 5 through 7, in our Growing Your Faith verse, uh, verses of the day. And so the context here um, is in an ongoing conversation that Jesus is having about how Christians, how his followers, his disciples must live in the context of the world. So these verses, 26 and 27 of Matthew chapter 7, come in the larger context of Jesus's teaching about two builders. One built his house upon a firm foundation. The other built his house on shifting sands. The storms of life came upon them both. The winds blew, the rains fell, and beat against both houses. Notably, both builders also heard the words of God through Jesus, right? Both have access to the word. Um, Everyone who hears the word. So everyone hears the word. Some put the words into practice and others do not. So that's the juxtaposition here. That's the difference here. It's not whether or not you've heard the word. It's whether or not you've put the word into practice. Because everybody faces the same storms of life. The storms come upon uh, the wise builder and the foolish builder alike. Both heard the word. Um, One put the word into practice and the other did not. And uh, and the result, the consequence, um, is significant because the winds blew and the rains fell and beat against both houses. And both builders who had heard the word of God um, were living their lives in the midst of the same cultural circumstances. Both had equal access to God's word and the counsel of God. Both had uh, the resources to build a life, but they made a different choice about how and where they were going to build and live. So Jesus describes the wise builder as the one who uh, heard the word and acted upon it appropriately. Um, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise builder, a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it did not fall because it had been founded upon the rock. And then we have today's verses where Jesus describes the foolish builder. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Uh, as I was uh, considering this uh, this morning, um, 
the Lord brought a hymn to mind. And so I'm going to read the words of the hymn as you and I consider having heard the word of God where we're building our lives. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When we shall come with trumpet sound, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let those who have ears hear, and having heard the word of God, let us live according to it. Dave Buring is going to join us next. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts. We're going to talk about our kids, and we're going to talk about how we can help our kids discover and live into their spiritual gifts. That's up next on this spiritual day we call All Hallows' Eve or Halloween here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, you can find Dave at lionshare.org. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you this morning? I am well. I am well. Um, if you were going to dress up today, um, it would be as? Let's say um, David the Shepherd Boy. Nice. Nice. At 60, smooth stones. At 63. Yeah, smooth stones. Smooth stones, stones in your yeah. pocket and all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, may you, may you not encounter Goliath today. Maybe that would just exactly. be the, oh, the, the best. Um, and may you not dance in the streets in the same way that, uh, that David <laughs> did later in his life. There you go. Okay. Um, I'm going to put on Christ. There you go. I'm going to put on Christ and not have it be a put on. That'll be my, uh, that, that'll be my Jesus juke of the day on this, um, All Hallows Eve. Um, let's talk about some spiritual things, Dave, um, that we're going to, we're going to help one another and our kids and grandkids discover their spiritual gifts. And as soon as we start into this conversation, we have to talk about the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, what are, what are the character and ways of the Spirit. So um, maybe let's enter into this conversation about spiritual gifts and the spiritual gifts of children by um, maybe briefing us in, reminding us who is the Holy Spirit and what gifts are we talking about? Yeah, no, that's really good, because oftentimes it seems like the Holy Spirit can get left out of things. We we talk a lot about Jesus, which is really, really important, and we talk some about God as Father, but oftentimes we can leave the Holy Spirit out of the conversation, and yet the reality is, Carmen, when we, quote, give our lives to Jesus and, quote, ask Jesus into our hearts, it's actually the Holy Spirit, according to the Scriptures, 
that comes and lives and dwells in us. And the Holy Spirit is the one that begins to mold us to look like Jesus and to begin to know how to follow Jesus's lead in our lives and opens our eyes to see the scriptures. Jesus said, hey, to his disciples, it's actually good that I go because then I can send to you the comforter, the paraclete is the is the word that's used, the Greek word, the paraclete, the one that comes alongside to help. I have a friend of mine that says he's like a pair of cleats. He said, think about on the football or soccer field, you need a pair of cleats to help you push or to be able to run. And he's the paraclete, the one that comes alongside to help, just like cleats come to come, come alongside to help us. So the Holy Spirit is plays a very important role in helping us see, discern, and function in our spiritual gifts. All right. So that's really helpful. Um, so when we have a conversation, start a conversation about children and spiritual gifts, um, maybe one of the first things that comes to mind um, to me is, you know, I'm, I'm talking about a child um, who in all likelihood has not yet made um, the profession of faith that, you know, we would acknowledge is the point uh, in time in life when, um, you know, they're going to invite all that they understand of Christ into their life and give him all that they understand of themselves. And then that's going to grow over time. But the Holy Spirit's presence and work in the life of a person, um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I don't want to have an expectation that the Spirit is operating in the life of a child who has not yet given their life to Christ in that way. Can you can you help me work through that a little bit? Yeah, no, that's really good. And, and I think that's an important distinction. Like, the Bible talks about how the, the gifts and callings of God, it's in the book of Romans, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, meaning I think that God has seeded those things in our lives. And when I look around the world and I see various even well-known people who maybe don't yet know the Lord, you can you can see giftings in them. And I think they're they're not that they're dormant, but they're not in their full place. They're maybe being used by that person for selfish purposes. Uh, they may be, you know, functioning in them without under full understanding of, of what's really there. But I think when a child gives their life to Jesus, we have to realize, yes, they are still a child. However, the same, if I could just play on words this way, the same big Holy Spirit that lives in Carmen lives in that child. And so we have to realize that there is the ability to function in some of the giftings that God's put in their life because the same Holy Spirit that lives in Carmen is now living in that child and can, if I can maybe use the word activate those or, or make those things come to life, maybe, you know, maybe it's going to take time for sure. However, we just, if we just stop at that fact, that's an amazing thing to think that the same Spirit of God that lives in you as an adult lives in that child when they give their life to Jesus. Yeah, it's really extraordinary. We're going to continue our conversation with Dave Buring in just a moment. Let's consider the gifts of the Spirit, the gifting of the Spirit, um, and let's let's consider together what it looks like, you know, as fellow members of the body of Christ, even with our kids. Like, right, Have you have you thought about the fact that as a more mature disciple, you are walking with and alongside um, younger disciples on their journey of faith, and that God is doing something in and through and with them, and that um, we are equally, equally uh, members uh, of one another. 
of the same body of Christ? What does it look like to mutually upbuild one another in the faith as brothers and sisters in, in Christ, even generations apart? We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. There's a ghost. There's a ghost inside of me. Not like those dreams in old bed sheets. Saying trick or treat. On this uh, Halloween, we're talking about what it looks like to put on Christ, to put on the full armor of God. We're talking about equipping our kids um, for the realities of the world in which we live. And now we're talking about enjoying the gift of the Spirit as well. And so what does it look like to help our kids recognize and live into the full expression of the Spirit's presence in their life through spiritual gifts? We're talking with Dave Buring from Lion's Share. Um, Dave, first of all, when we're when we're talking about walking with one another generation by generation, right? I am simply a, a disciple who has more years on me than a younger disciple, but they are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think that sometimes we lose sight of that um, because we think of children as you know, I don't know, we think of them as some somehow less than, but they're equally my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so there's a there's a shift in mind that has to take place here when we talk about um, spiritual gifts and spiritual gifting. No, absolutely, Carmen. And I think for me, as a young guy, I, I know many listening don't know my story, but as an 18 to 25 year old, I was a missionary uh, with an organization called Youth with a Mission or YWAM. And during that time, I had an opportunity to actually watch with my eyes. And again, I didn't become a dad till I was around 25. So I had the opportunity to watch other people's kids in that missionary community function, some of them in spiritual gifts and watching them discern something, watching them say to me, Mr. Dave, I think the Lord showed me this. And, um, you know, I mean, literally one time we were on an outreach without getting into the thick of it. We were on an outreach a Christmas outreach, singing Christmas carols in the lobby of the Hilo Lagoon Hotel on the Big Island of Hawaii. And one of the little girls comes to me in the midst of it and says, Mr. Dave, I think we're supposed to be on that stage over there. Well, there was the the lounge, the lounge act, who is kind of the Don Ho Christmas singing kind of. And she said, I think we're supposed to be on that stage. And so I pulled the group together and said, would you guys just pray? Because Little six-year-old Layla here feels like the Lord has shown this to her. I go up to the guy, and he, he lights up like a candle and says, hey, when the lead singer here is on a break, would you guys go up there? And those kids ministered in a setting where people were stunned to hear about the real meaning of Christmas. And it was led by a little child. And so I think the thing that we can do, Carmen, is, again, forget that the same, and I'm just again playing on the words here to make a point, the same big Holy Spirit that lives in Carmen or us as adults 
also resides in them when they have committed their lives to Jesus. And I feel like the Holy Spirit has less competition in their life than than he does in mine, like sometimes, right? I mean, like, like they just haven't been as um, as corrupted. They haven't become as cynical. They're not as self-conscious. Um, and all of those things are helpful and good in terms of uh, the, the Spirit's expression. I don't want to dampen the Spirit in the life of a child. I don't, Dave, I don't want to say, okay, you need to sit still. You need to be quiet. When what's happening is the Holy Spirit is seeking to express in and through the life of that child in a way that I'm just uncomfortable with because, you know, I think people ought to sit still and be quiet in particular environments. So talk with me a little bit about that, about how to recognize and help a child recognize when it's genuinely, you know, the spirit of the living God and when it's then sometimes just a desire to be loud and obnoxious. Do you see that? Do you see what I'm challenged by here? I do. And I think I think we always uh, probably go with the second one. You know, we, we assume, hey, they're still a child, so they'd want to be loud and they want to be busy and they need their fingers roaming over something. And But I, I think a lot of it, Carmen, is just it's being familiar with that child enough in everyday life to mm-hmm. kind of watch. Um, like I'll illustrate this. My, my daughter, Malia, who's now 35, but I remember both my wife, Cheryl, and I noticing in her when she was young, like in single digits young, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. We started to notice this mercy thing in her. Mm. Um, the Bible talks, and so so for people who aren't familiar, if you look at Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4, those are some of the primary places where you find spiritual gifts, all right? Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. And in Romans 12, it talks about the gift of mercy. And over the years now, for me, watching uh, others with this gift of mercy, it validates what we were seeing in Malia when she was seven, eight, nine. And, you know, you, you saw this unusual compassion. We begin to notice as she got a little bit older that she was, and again, it, it kind of freaked us out as parents until we put it through this grid, is she was attracted to the fringes of society. Like she was drawn to the people that not everybody would always welcome and embrace. And I remember saying to her in her early teen years, I said, Malia, I'm really proud of you. And you need to know this is how the spirit of God is working through your life. But as a dad now, let me also tell you, it's really important that you balance this with being with kids that are pretty healthy. And Malia, if she was here with us right now, would tell you that that time she did that well and other times there was a swing and a miss. And because she was drawn to the fringes of society, I, we could have just freaked out as parents, but we paused and went, okay, hold it. This is the mercy thing. Here's why I know that. Because she would bring those kids over to the house or she'd bring them to church and say, dad, dad, I have so-and-so with me. They really need to know the Lord. Can we all go to lunch after church together as a family so you can just build a relationship a little bit with them and talk with them? See, so there was this there was this thing inside where she saw the desperateness of a person and a mercy gift feels that. Like, I, I don't feel that, but some of the mercy gifts, God allows them to feel some of the feelings that they're, they're experiencing, that that person's experiencing, so they can identify with them and begin to walk with them. See, that's, that's an example of just, it's being aware and kind of noted, being a noticer. Oh, oh, that might be what that is. 
So, Dave, this was um this was the topic of um your latest Lion Share podcast. I'm looking at that um right now in terms of of helping us um help our children discern and then live into their spiritual gifts. It's also um part of chapter 11 of a discipleship journey kids, which is the complement to um a discipleship journey for adults. Um, and there's an animated video series that goes along with the book, all of which you guys can access at lionshare.org. Um, there's also a way there for you to subscribe as a family, a church, or a ministry to the animated series. We just really want you to um, have the resources that you need to be fully equipped um, to engage with your children and grandchildren as you know they live into their calling on the reality of who they are as not only God's people created, but people redeemed, redeemed by God and to be used by him in the world that he so loves. So check it all out, lionshare.org. You're looking specifically for a discipleship journey, kids. Um, and chapter 11 is what we've been talking about today. Dave, as always, um, thank you so much. What a gift to spend time with you. Likewise. Have a great day. You too. All right. That's Dave Buring. You can find what we are discussing today at lionshare.org. If you want the direct links, they'll be in my show notes, which you can get later today at myfaithradio.com, or you should be subscribed to the podcast, and then you get the show notes every day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right. Uh, on Friday morning at about 8.40 a.m., political reporters received um, a statement via an email from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Um, and this is what was in the inboxes of political reporters across the country. Um, early this morning, an assailant broke into the Pelosi residence in San Francisco and violently assaulted Mr. Paul Pelosi. The assailant is in custody. The motivation for the attack is under investigation. All of that continues to still be true today. Um, what we know, uh, and more than that, is that Paul Pelosi suffered um, uh, a skull fracture um, from a hammer-wielding assailant. We still don't know the motivation of the individual. Um, we, we know bits and pieces about this individual, but the speculation by the media on both sides um, has, I think, rendered um, rendered the media with an even wider credibility gap than it had uh, last week. So let me say this. Threats against the lives of lawmakers and their families um, have been on the rise. We have had a number of, um, of officials in the United States, elected members of, um, of, of the service sector. So a congresswoman from Arizona, um, the House Majority Whip, the vice president, a Supreme Court justice, a congresswoman from Washington State, a gubernatorial nominee, and now um, the husband of the Speaker of the House, all whose lives have been directly threatened. And it's, it's hard not to say there is a rise of political violence in the United States of America. Um, threats against the lives of lawmakers and their families have certainly been on the rise, um, and law enforcement responds to those threats on a regular basis. But those threats are now translating into real violence. 
um, realized now on Friday morning against the husband of the Speaker of the House, who, you know, is second in line to serve as president of the United States. Um, We want to be praying for Paul Pelosi's full recovery. He does remain hospitalized with a skull fracture. He is expected to recover, but he's also 82 years old. Um, And I don't know about you, but, you know, as as a person who has parents who are octogenarians, um, you know, their ability to to heal and recover is is slower and their health more fragile um, than we might want to consider. So um, let us not be speculating about motives. Let us be people of peace. Let us be people who are sowing peace. Violence is never the answer. Violence is never the answer. As Christians, we present and represent Christ, and we do it in the way of Christ. And Christ told Peter to put away his sword, even as he was being arrested by what today we would call a lynch mob. Political violence is not new on the world scene, but it needs to be and must be freshly condemned in every new generation. And so if we haven't said it out loud and we haven't said it publicly and we haven't said it to our neighbors and our friends and our colleagues and our children and our grandchildren, let us as Christians start saying it today. This is not the way of Christ. They will know we are Christians by our love, not by hate. And they will come to a shared understanding of the goodness and the greatness of God, not by violence, but by the way we walk as sheep among wolves. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Next up, Adam Carrington. We'll be right back. Dr. Adam Carrington is joining us now from Hillsdale College. I'm sure dressing appropriately for Halloween. Good morning, sir. Good morning, and yes, I will be dressing for Halloween. Uh, I'm surprising my class today. Uh, I'm teaching a course on Shakespeare and politics, and I didn't plan this on purpose, but the St. Crispin's Day speech is supposed to be today. And so I got a uh, uh, Henry V costume from our theater department, and I'm going to surprise them with a rendition of the St. Crispin's Day speech. So we'll we'll see how that goes off. I was practicing it this weekend. I so love the, that. And that's the speech for if people don't that, that we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. So is that what um, it's gonna sound like? Because that's not very inspiring. Could we hear oh, that no. line delivered as it's going to be? <laughs> we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. Yeah. So and nice. and and actually I think I'm gonna even get a little choked up on the next line, which is for he that sheds his blood with me this day shall be my brother. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping the students buy into it. They've been a great class, so I thought this might be a treat for them. But, yes, that 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 will be uh, what 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 uh, I will be walking around campus dressed as. So that won't be the weirdest thing I think that's ever been walked around campus, but it might be in the top 10. I think that's fantastic. So um, uh I love the idea of going to the theater department and borrowing a costume. I'm 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 newly I'm having thoughts now. It's good. It's good. I love it. All right, let's talk about preserving democracy and the forgotten Christian cause. Yes. Um so I, I think that there has been 
historically in America, a commitment by Christians in this country to preserving popular government rule of by and for the people. And I think there are very good reasons for that, that this form of government, while maybe not the only legitimate government, is preservative of the image of God and others, uh, the recognition of equality before God and others. And therefore, I think, and also of a process that was, is peaceful and, and a, 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 a peaceful, I guess is the best way to say it, way of adjudicating our differences. But uh, I think that there has been a move or push within some sections of Christianity to say that that is, is not a legitimate form of government or that we need to move toward a more strident kind that is um, uh, that, that gets the ends we want, even if it's not through the means of democracy. And I think that's forgetting some some really important wisdom about the contributions, both in the ends we pursue in the image of God and the means we do it that are, are peaceful, deliberative, where we persuade and vote with each other. Um, I think that is 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 something we've had such a, a plethora of such a, a, an abundance of in our time in the United States that we're, we've kind of come to take it for granted. I, I, when I teach the Federalist Papers, the Federalist One says that, reminds its readers that most governments in the history of the world have been formed and maintained by accident and force, and that we are trying to form it and form a popular government based on deliberation and choice. And that those choices are not just between peace and war, that's the difference between accident and force being accident saying the world is irrational fundamentally and force saying we're fundamentally not free in relation to each other. Whereas deliberation and choice, I think, is a much more Christian concept. It says the world is rational. And why is it rational? Ultimately, because God is the author and maintainer and sustainer of it. And that choice, that we do have freedom in relation to each other because God made us equal. And I think we need to hold on to that wisdom, but we need to defend it in a way that maybe we haven't thought necessary or needed in the past um, in, in the United States of America. I'm not sure a lot of people spent spend a whole lot of time thinking about the different types of government and, frankly, how unique in all of human history the type of government, the form of government um, we we have. Like, and so because it's the one we grew up in, it's the one we inherited. Um, we take it for granted. And so one of the things that I mean, we've had early voting in our state. You know, obviously for a couple of weeks now. And I resisted going on early voting day because school's actually out here um, on, you know, on Super Tuesday, like on the Tuesday that everybody's going to go to vote or everybody used to go to vote. And I decided, you know what, since school's out, I'm taking my 17-year-old and I'm taking my granddaughter with me to vote. Now, first of all, am I allowed to do that? Can they come in there with me? Like, I don't even know. I've never tried this before. But I figure if somebody doesn't actually, like, show them the process— then how are they ever going to know when it's time to walk in there and do it? Right. Well, I will say for the primary here in Michigan back in August, I had to take my two and a half year old and they let me do that. So uh, <laughs> she wasn't really tall enough to see over, but she did get a, a future voter sticker, which was very nice of the poll workers. But I think that something you point out there is 
it's not merely d- democracy or, or popular government is not self perpetuating. It's not as if it's a machine that you put in motion and it will just run on its own for forever. It's something that needs to be consciously rechosen every generation and consciously preserved within each generation and then passing it on because it is ultimately about self-government, which means the self must be involved. The self must be the driver. The self must be the, the one that is, is making sure that, that of, by, and for the people, a government of that type uh, occurs. And I think taking uh, a younger generation to vote, having almost something like a, a, a secular ritual, so not religious, but, uh, a kind of habits and 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 a kind of pageantry even to voting that instills in 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 younger people the importance of this a respect for it a duty to it that will then help them to take it seriously it's not just what you say about it it's what you do and what you show and I think uh, efforts like that need to be done so that that uh, younger generations take it as seriously as past generations have. It's not automatic. All right. Let's um, pivot from the people we're electing to the Supreme Court, um, who, you know, they're not elected, but the president we elect certainly has an influence on who ends up on the Supreme Court. We've talked about that before. The Supreme Court is going to hear um, a case today related to affirmative action, and this is probably going to pop in the news. So could you brief us in on what's expected? Right. And they actually made it two cases because Justice Jackson, the new justice, has to recuse herself on one. But it, it all comes to the same question is that is, is any entity that either is a public university or receives public funding, like even most private schools, does the fact that they take race into consideration when admitting students, does that violate the both the Constitution, the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment? And also the uh, uh, Civil Rights Act, part of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And what you're going to see debated here is the question of what is the best way to address race in relation to the law? And I'm not saying race in relation to how people um, understand themselves personally, how they collectively come together in private associations, but how should the law look at race? And, and one side is going to say we need to have uh, a colorblind constitution that goes back at least to Plessy v. Ferguson, the one dissent in the 1890s that said segregation on the base of race legally should be is, is unconstitutional. So people are going to be some saying, even if you're trying to help, we should we shouldn't do so. It should be colorblind. And the other side saying that society should uh, that society has racial problems that still remain and that the law should take that into account and try to react to it in a way that tries to undermine any remaining bad effects of of racism. So I, I would say, by the way, I think ultimately there are very well-meaning people on both sides. They really are trying to get at what's the best way to. Uh, treat people rightly 
according to their humanity and accord and not just their skin color but um there's a very different view on what should be the constitution's role in in seeing and doing that and i think um beyond a lot of the legal jargon that you might hear if if you if you hear the reports try to pierce through to that question how do we see people as common humans under god but also created differently how do you recognize equality legally and also recognize and even celebrate difference as far as the way God made us within our humanity. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito um, has made the news a couple of times in the last week or so. We're going to talk with Dr. Adam Carrington in just a moment about some developments in the story related to the leak. You will remember there was a leak um, of a uh, of a draft of what eventually became the Supreme Court's decision um, in the Dobbs decision, which ultimately overturned Roe v. Wade. Um, we're going to talk about some news that Justice Samuel Alito made last week in relationship to that and um, and maybe what it portends for the future of the court. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. As we continue to pray for the full recovery of Paul Pelosi, the husband of the Speaker of the House, who was attacked in their home on Friday night by a hammer-wielding assailant. He has a skull fracture. He's expected to make a full recovery. But it does bring to the fore the conversation about political violence or violence against those who are in positions of um, authority in our country, which leads us to a conversation about Justice Alito, who made headlines this past week um, when he shared something um, with an audience at the Heritage Foundation. Adam Carrington is here with us. Adam, um, what did Supreme Court Justice uh, Samuel Alito share um, with with that audience? He gave at least a little window into what was the thinking of justices after that leak. And it was, he said, that it made them, much more than they had ever been in the past, a target for political violence and political threatening. And he even pointed to the fact that there was someone arrested on their on his way to try to kill Justice Kavanaugh and that it was done with the idea that if one of the justices did not live long enough, one of the justices perceived to be in the majority that might overturn Roe v. Wade, uh, that if, if that justice did not survive long enough, then that decision could be undone. 
and uh, goes back to the idea that um, if it, uh, that if we can't get this pernicious idea that if we can't get um, accomplished by peaceful democratic means or by the legal process, including how judges are put on the court, then we will uh, go around that and try to use violence and force, not deliberation and choice to achieve this. And I think you're right to connect that with uh, Paul Pelosi. And we're certainly all praying for him that uh, I think I, I, I don't mean to belittle what happened to him in any way, shape or form. But I think we've been almost lucky uh, so far. There have been a number of these attempts and no and um, really no one has been killed yet, including the Republican congressmen that were practicing for the baseball game with Kavanaugh. And I'm glad that uh, uh, Mr. Pelosi looks like he he's going to recover. But um, sometime that 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 luck is going to run out and something is going to happen whereby uh, someone is going to die. And it could be someone in, in a very high position that could cause a lot of chaos politically. So I, I think that um, this is something we need to be very much pushing against. And I think it's especially pernicious when it's judges that are being gone against because why do we have judges one reason we have judges is to make we the people stick to our laws and stick to the processes by which we say you're not going to be hurt you're not going to be punished and you're going to be protected according to the laws and uh and so i i think this just shows that there are some really desperate people who are uh, uh, not living in Christian love, but also not even living according to the principles of our country, which uh, uh, is is a peaceful, persuasive, democratic process. Yeah, one of our um, friends who's listening says, hey, this reminds me of the story out of South Florida. Um, apparently, a, a, a canvasser for Marco Rubio, Rubio's campaign um, was viciously and violently attacked Um and, um, you know, as he was going, you know, door to door, sharing uh, his his political convictions. And he was told that in that particular neighborhood, um, Republicans were not welcome. Um, I, that is really um, sad and shameful. And. Yeah, I mean, I, that makes me really concerned if we can't even share with one another, you know, why we might be motivated to vote in a, in a particular way or encourage other people to um you know, to join us in political discourse without fear of being physically harmed. Like, I, I, I'm that makes me very sad. It's troubling, but it just makes me incredibly sad. Yeah, I think that we, again, don't realize how how fragile what we have is. And therefore, like I was saying earlier, needs to be maintained. And I think that the the idea of not loving one's neighbor, but hating one's neighbor gets too much airplay at this point and gets too much uh, articulation and the fires of it get too much get stoked too much and this is where i think christians really do have to be in in a way radically countercultural but in being radically countercultural to the the prevailing winds of today they're in some ways restoring not just a an idea of christian love but again principles that our country itself has maintained and preserved uh, the peace and, and prosperity of its citizens because of. So I think it is something to mourn, but it's also something to redouble our efforts and say, 
we have to push back against this and we have to recognize that it is a bipartisan problem and that is not 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 to 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 sort of shove it away and say well both sides do it it's no to say both sides are 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 showing guilt of this and all need to be called to account and all need to be brought to confess that problem those wrongs and 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 be renewed and act better yeah it's just yeah a call to act better um and I don't know. I guess I'm thinking tonight, you know, don't don't let your kids walk around by themselves. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking that like it's just, you know, I, I mean, I remember back in the day, you know, kids would dress up as all kinds of things. And now I'm thinking, you know, I got to be cognizant of of what they're dressed up as going out and, you know, what how that might be perceived and um, and how inflamed people are um, in the culture today. So. I don't know. It's just an awful lot to think about and um, and lots of things about which to be concerned. Um, I think you'll be safe today dressed as um, as Henry V. Mm-hmm. On campus, yeah. I at least certainly will be. Uh, they, I, I think I, I would be actually quite popular given uh, our, our very good English department has, uh, has, has spread that good word. So Fantastic. Adam, thank you so much. Um, blessings on Reformation Day. Um, I'm sorry we didn't get an opportunity to really talk a lot about the political contributions of the Reformation because that, uh, that's, you know, today is Reformation Day in addition to being, yep. um, you know, being Halloween. So thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure. And I will say a quick plug. I've got an article coming out this morning sometime in Real Clear Religion that does try to mention some of those benefits of uh, the Reformation politically. So maybe people can check that out. Excellent. I'll be sure um, we include that link in the show notes. So if you guys get the show notes later today at MyFaithRadio.com um, or you get them uh, via the show notes. Um, oh, yeah. On October 31st, remember the political t- contributions of the Reformation. It's already posted, realclearreligion.org. I'll put it in the show notes. Adam, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Carmen, for all you do. That's, absolutely. That's fantastic. Look, we got the notes. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, let us be um, cloaked in Christ today. Whatever else you're putting on, put on Christ. Over all these things, um, put on Christ. Let Christ be the covering today. So, when you think about Halloween and you think about um, what you're going, uh, what, what you're going out into the world dressed up as, what, what might it look like to go out today dressed up as a Christian, dressed up as Christ? What might it look like to be a representation of? Christ to the world today. And I'm not necessarily saying that you've got to, um, you know, put on a first century get up. I'm saying that you got to put on Christ and you got to put him on every day and it's got to be more than a put on. What does that look like? What does it look like for you and I to walk our faith out into the world that God so loves and to do so in ways that honor Jesus? Literally like as Christ, people who are abiding in him, who have a union with Christ. Let's cooperate with the Holy Spirit today and invite God to conform us more and more to the image of Christ that we might represent him more authentically to the world that he so loves. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.